Hey guys, welcome to episode 171 of the JV Club with my guest, Joy Osmansky. I am overjoyed that she was able to do the podcast and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Listen, as many of you know, I am uh, so woefully behind in shout outs that I need to uh, throw a long list at you um, and I am still catching up on non-email shout outs. So uh, bear with me while I thank the following uh, janitors whom I adore. Emily, I want to thank you for um, uh, telling me about uh, the uh, mint slices in New Zealand slash Australia delish um joseph thanks for your comments about uh, body hair you know that thing that i talked about in the dana gold episode Alyssa, thank you for your email and megan for yours uh joshua great meeting you at sac anime glad to be in touch with you now Margot, uh my sweet sweet uh francaise listener hello stephanie thanks for the kind words about that pro you podcast episode i did um i've been cycling up a storm so uh let's keep at it you and me uh, allison i want to thank you for your email uh, actually, two Allisons. Um, Darshan, great meeting you at Sack Anime. Kyle, thanks for your email. Chris with a K, thanks for your email. And it was so great meeting you back at Emerald City. It's never too late to tell me that. Uh, Emily, great seeing you. Different Emily, uh, great seeing you at Sack Anime. And Winnie, thank you for the wonderful Cora drawing that you gave me. Uh, major shout out to you, my dear. Keep up the great work. Ronnie, thank you for your great email suggestion uh, for guest AJ and Emmanuel and uh, Claudia. Thanks for your emails, Claudia. Thank you for the uh, Hawaii recommendation. And Voltaire, I want to thank you for your email. Uh, great to be in touch with you. Also someone that I met at Sack Anime. And last but not least, I want to thank everyone who so far has sent in the um, their uh, How Did You Betray Your Parents uh, story um, that uh, Kelly Carlin is going to be looking at. I'm going to leave that open to you guys to do um, again for the next week, and then I'll announce the winner on next week's episode. Um, we've got some great versions, but uh, I just want to extend it a little bit longer in case anyone wants to eke in uh, their uh, story, humorous or otherwise, and it can be one paragraph long or less. Um, I will talk to you guys soon. And uh, boy, I just feel like I'm forgetting 10 to 20 things I should be telling you, but uh, we do the best we can. That's all we can do, guys. Talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. starting and i'm these guys will just have to catch up because we were just in the middle of talking about this idea of you know the theory of something versus putting it into practice Mm. and how different that is and how useful whether it is useful or not to have that knowledge before it kind of kicks in or maybe that's not what you were saying but that's what i was thinking i was just thinking like what is it good like that it's so good to have that sort of plunged into your brain even when you think this is worthless to me right now right that somewhere it's like you're sponging it somewhere and like it actually does help what do you think I think you're right because I remember hearing those kinds of things from people who'd been in the business longer you know they would talk about being patient and the marathon versus sprint and blah 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 and I would hear it and I my theoretical brain would say yes that's valuable sounds good sounds real good (laughs) and then my id would be like fuck you I don't want to hear that right now absolutely I'm just miserable and terrified and I, I get that that's wise but it has no 
meaning for me. Yeah. But um, yes, I think you're right. It just takes time. Yeah. Which is the one thing in life that you can't convince anyone of. Well, sure. And don't you feel like just taking this immediately back into adolescence, that's one of those things that it's like two, there's two pieces to it. One, I think I thought or hoped that I would have worked past all of that impatience Uh, by the time I was an adult. And the short answer is no, I didn't. The longer answer is, but I, but we are better. You know what I mean? We We are. are like, if you can definitely still look at yourself now and look back and say that would have crushed me more and for longer when I was 16, when everyone was saying, you're going to get over it. Don't worry. It just takes time. And you're like, why don't you go fuck yourself? I don't, I don't feel like I can, (laughs) I'm, I can't afford time. I'm too raw. It's too hard. (laughs) I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to die tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know? And so it's not that bad, but it's just a weird combination of both where you hold on to things that you kind of thought maybe would go away altogether, but you also do know, you know, okay. Now by virtue of just the experience and time I've been on the planet, I can't keep having this, fresh as if I'm have amnesia it'll kill you emotional amnesia you know maybe it's that you learn to weed out what's valuable to hold on to and what's not because yeah. when I was a teenager everything was peak yes right everything was absolutely the highest stakes you and- can it's like you can't determine which thing is more oh no important. you have no sense of judgment yeah right your heart just swells at everything and is crushed by everything and you can't imagine a time when you don't feel yeah you know which is so exhausting but I, I think maybe the difference for me now that I'm older is that I don't actively want to wallow in it as mm-hmm. much as I used to. Sure. Because as a teenager, you're like, ah, rub it all over myself. Yeah. It's horrible, but, but I love it. And now I'm like, no, actually, I don't want to live there. Yeah. But do you feel how much working recognition do you feel you had as a teenager that you must have like now I'm old enough where I I can sort of say some bad choices that I made especially in my 20s Mm. something more recent you know Mm. late 20s whatever Mm. that I can go even then when I was in that space I was able to be like I guess I must want a mess like I must want to make a mess because I did choose this I am responsible for this being here yeah in my teenage years I didn't think I wanted to wallow. Do you know oh, what I mean? God, but no, now right. I look at it and I'm like, oh, there's something so delicious about how much we just wallowed in it. But at the oh. time, you do feel like, what? I don't want to feel this way. No, you're completely put upon as a teenager. Yeah. You feel like all the outside forces in the world are victimizing you. For whatever reason, you're the target, right? Yes. And like, no, I don't think I either saw that I was actively choosing <laughs> But when I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, the music, I was like all the things oh, that you God. think you're drawing to you as a magnet, but it's just this stuff that helps you understand what you're feeling. Sure. But it starts the big picture when you pull out, it starts to look like you're just like, oh my God, oh, I just wanted to. The exactly. Yeah, exactly. so let me listen to this Chicago song over and over again <laughs> so I can feel worse <laughs> and worse. Oh God. Oh, oh the, the amount of Chicago I listened to. Did you really? Oh, so much Chicago. Oh my God. What was your favorite Chicago song? I can't. It's okay. I feel like I know sad Peter satira songs even more than here's the embarrassing thing about my musical life and this has been true my whole life i don't know any names of songs i don't now know any names of songs okay i i know bands and if you start playing something i can sing you the chorus but i'm not one of those people i have friends who are encyclopedic with Mm -hmm. music and they can pull they can go back in their file cabinet and music and pull something out that recalls a specific moment in their lives say the artist if it was a live performance when it happened i can't do that right do that so chicago I don't know anything, <laughs> anything. And weren't there two? Were there two lead singers of Chicago? Dude, that seems right. 
That seems like Peter Cetera was like the main guy, yeah. and then maybe and then there's some somebody else person. who I I don't know because I only know Peter Cetera's name. Maybe that's a reflection of how selfish I was as a teenager. Is I was only like, how does this music serve me? Sure. I don't need to, I don't need to know any information about it. Well, that's interesting because I would say that, um, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is that I had much more obsessive compulsive and I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to those of you who have been diagnosed because certainly I have those tendencies in a medical way as well but that sort of let's just say obsessive um, uh, cataloging of knowledge just like you explained mm. that I had that way more as a teenager than mm. I do now I talk on the podcast about how I'm like oh I love that band couldn't tell you a single person's name in the band no. but back in the day oh, that's I so felt true. like I needed to know that but if you didn't feel like that then I wonder what it was in my brain that like did that and then kind of let go of that I'm trying to think of what it like, was was there something? yeah exactly that's my next like, question like I wasn't into sports I was I'm yeah. still profoundly unathletic uh-huh. and, um, so I'm trying to think of what I cataloged I feel like I cataloged a lot of TV shows because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was super. I I was the uh, kid who snuck out late to watch Arsenio after uh-huh. everyone had gone to bed, like that kind of thing. I was obsessed with late night TV Isn't and sitcoms and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I but never watched late night shows, that and was always like in private something. though. Yeah. I was never interested in sharing it with anyone. I yeah. just wanted to be alone in front of the glowing of that TV and sure. you know, way too close, like we were always told. Uh-huh. Even though that was total bollocks, right? Didn't that turn out to be bullshit? Like, I don't really know. Which is something our parents told us. Yeah, that kind of stuff I'm not ever sure about because it certainly seems like it would still make sense. But like I do the feel microwave like thing. Right. Like don't stand too close yeah. to the microwave. Here we are with these cell phones pressed against our brains. <laughs> and we're like, actually, that's more oh, concerning. Oh, yeah. But Maybe yeah. all of it. We'll find out. Eh, we're not all good. dying. No. I, you know, I, I mean, ha- God. <laughs> I, go, I go through these periods of time where I'm profoundly afraid of dying. Me too. And then it'll pass and I'll be okay. And then and something think, will happen. And is that, you think that it is triggered by something or do you think that it's just, well, my the therapist of, would say, yes, <laughs> shout out to you your know, therapist. Yes. And bless her. Now heart. she called me before you came to do the podcast, oh, told me a few things. So I just read, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so well stocked. Everything I'm saying is some I, sort of psychological almost context. Everything, yes. Thank I'm able God. to just put oh, it right well, into a little box. I feel really free yeah. to say anything yeah. I want then because you already know it's couched in some sort of medical explanation pun intended couch <laughs> oh my god uh, and i'm on a couch uh, um no i think she if i'll express that she'll say what happened in your day because mm-hmm. yeah oftentimes you can trace it back to something although i i have this wariness of being too analytical with myself because i'm already that way so i feel like if i then have to pace back through my day oh, and examine sure. every you'll find some new thing it's like giving yourself oh. a mental cat scan oh, right yes, you're like oh yes. i as long as oh. I continue to do that, I'm going to find some sort of weird aberration that I can then pick at and pick at and freak out about. Right, like the scab. Like, yeah. I will never not find something yeah, me to too. be troubled over. Me too. So it's probably better in a lot of ways for me to not look too yeah. hard. But the therapy thing is positive, and I, I really, it's something f- that I came to late in life, relatively, I feel like, because I resisted it for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, where, By sh- the way, where were you a teenager, I should ask? Olympia, Washington. I mean, I love Olympia. You do? Oh, yeah, because my dad, one of my dad's best friends uh, lives in Olympia. Oh, my God. And they, uh, he's a child's dentist. And he was one of the first children's dentists to do the whole, I will love it if for some reason you went to this dentist. I don't know I how. I may have. I can, it's hard to say because he might have. 
After my time. It might have been after you what's and his, I were both really little kids. His name is, um, his last name is Saltis. It would be Dr. Saltis. Dr. Greg Saltis. P-S-A-T. I, I feel like I know that name. Well, it was kind of a big deal because he's the first person who had like, as far as I know, because I feel like I remember him winning some sort of dental award. No, I don't know if it was a giant gold tooth or <laughs> I what. That's but in your, no, I know, it's in there. In Shout somewhere. out to his kids. Sometimes they listen to the podcast. What's up, Reed and Erica? Um, <laughs> you can correct me if I'm incorrect about this. But I, but I remember going to visit as a, when I was a teenager. My dad and I did a road trip um, that oh. included visit, staying with them. And my dad always stays with them in, in, in Olympia, although I'm not sure they're in the same place they were. But they took me to Greg's office so we could see and it's a circular a giant circular room there's no private like oh this little kid is off screaming in a corner right in a a private room it's like all the kids would be in a chair seeing each other so there's no sort of scary of fear well Well, kind of you know it's like this very open friendly don't worry environment and that's funny because isn't the circular pen also something they employ with wolves who are in captivity that they because you know those old traditional squares kind of which makes total sense right wall 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 you just keep hitting a flat surface to not have that fluidity yeah it's not interesting i didn't think about that at all but that totally makes sense yeah well that's brilliant and how how thoughtful of a dentist to do that for children especially because i actually never minded going to the dentist i didn't either because my dad has was friends with dentists so somehow i I had a really great and he you always got your picture taken then it went up on the wall which was also brilliant because then it was like evidence and proof that you had braved this thing sure sure Y'all's got a treat, and I, I don't know. <laughs> and you have very nice teeth, Joy, uh, so. Well, that's, thank you to my adult orthodontist. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, an adult orthodontist. Oh, yeah. Did you have braces late in, later? Or yeah, what I grew up with, like, my top teeth were always pretty straight, but my bottom teeth were super crooked, and it was something that I always actually liked. Uh-huh. Like, it was imperfection that I liked. And still to this day, part of me is like, eh, why didn't I just <laughs> chill out and not worry about it? Uh-huh. But then when I started being on TV and stuff, I would see that, and I would get totally distracted right, by it. Right, I'm sure no one else gave a shit, but I was yeah. like, ah, look, why well, are her teeth all weird? that's the weird thing about what we do is like it. Uh, the self-scrutiny, though. The self-scrutiny I mean, is so really, gross, and it's oh, kind God. of impossible to avoid. It is. And so I guess I was like, all right, I'll make this one concession to cosmetic beauty and I'll freaking go get Invisalign. Yeah. So I did. And it was great. And yes, now I feel... <laughs> she did, uh, just so you know, guys, she did a little cute gnashing of her teeth. Like she was I checking said, in with them. You checked in with your lower teeth for a second. I like them. Yeah. I everybody's like them. okay down there? Yeah. Great. I feel, I feel okay about that. All right, decision. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so I love Olympia. I'm glad I managed yeah. to make that about me. No, but that's um, fantastic that you know it. Yeah. yeah. So no it's, south of, like it's south of, uh, you would fly into Seattle, SeaTac, I guess. And, yep. and it's south of, of Seattle, about Tacoma. An hour and a half. So it's right yeah. at the bottom of Puget Sound there. And so beautiful. Oh, it is and i didn't really get it until i left mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like i always think it was just what you knew because yeah because when um cory and i i took him there i don't know a number of years ago for the first time that's right yes but cory cory burl and he he grew up in ohio which is lovely in its own right but the one of the first things he said when we were walking around was the, how dramatic it is there mm-hmm. and that had never occurred to mm-hmm. me but it's true the trees just pierce into the sky and the the colors that are created by the almost constant rainfall are so multi and huge and it, it is gorgeous there yeah it's so it nice to be able to put on uh, that's the best part when you put on someone else's glasses because that's oh, what yeah. it is in, 
Arizona too. Like I grew up in the sure. Sonoran Desert, and it oh. doesn't—it didn't mean anything to me other than just like it's hot and there's a lot of dangerous stuff there. Yeah. But now to go back and see the just like endless stretch of mountains with saguaros on it, it is very dramatic. That's a great mm-hmm. word for it. And you sort of, you know, nice. you almost see it like you're seeing it gross, but like in a nature documentary. Like no, somehow you pull back and you you're see in planet it. Earth. That's and right. You're like, that's my right. God, I live in an amazing place. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I. I think I really liked growing up there. It did you have its brothers flaws, and sisters? Yes, one younger sister. And then uh, did your parents stay together? Or? Yes, they did. Um, my mom has passed on, mm-hmm. but my dad and my sister now live in Arizona, in Prescott. Mm-hmm. Well, in the area. My dad lives in Prescott Valley, Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to go to Prescott every summer. Oh, um, it's and gorgeous th- there. And then some, in winters and stuff, too, because my beautiful. grandparents It feels like an alien landscape to me. I have, I have a little trouble. Every time I go, I... I get yeah. a little, like, I can feel my shoulders go up. Interesting. Just, it's so different from where I grew up. And yeah. It, and that's up in the kind of high desert yeah. slash Ponderosa pine country. Mm-hmm. Um, now we really are doing a documentary. Um, but it is, yeah, because then you kind of get, you get a little bit of the, like, granite rock the same way you would in Sedona, although it's not right. as red. But, but it is also dramatic. Mm-hmm, very dramatic. But, yeah, it's it's tricky for me. And I think because my mom died in Phoenix, I have this weird... When did weird, she die, if you don't mind asking? I, 2006. Okay. Yeah, no, and she I don't And you're, both your parents all. lived in Phoenix together, and she... No, that's the thing. Okay. So they had moved to Prescott area, and then she was down in Phoenix in basically what was basically a hospice. Yeah. And... I have, you know, I can say it freely. I, I dislike Phoenix. I don't think I will ever have a positive association with Phoenix. I mean, I don't have a positive association. <laughs> but especially because of that. Sure. But so all of Arizona feels kind of a little wonky I mean, that wonky couldn't make more me. sense. Yeah. That couldn't make more sense. But my dad and my sister seem really happy there, and I think my dad yeah, Because they've made all and, of these new memories because yeah. they're there, and yeah. that's what's hard is when you have a place where you have this one association or, or a couple of profound and profoundly negative associations boy it takes it's hard to push past that yeah you're right of course and they because they also listen don't feel that you have to push past it with phoenix because it's really (laughs) you don't have to push past it all due respect listen you phoenicians you know that i'm from tucson and there's a real loyalty there and certainly with prescott and flagstaff but i think i mean maybe it's almost like, do you get outside of the Prescott area when well, you I've do visit Sedona and yeah. Flagstaff? Because those, are, know, those are more Canyon. places I would say, like, those, so much of Arizona seems so compartmentalized in terms of, like, uh. Phoenix feels one way, Prescott feels yes. another way, Flagstaff feels entirely another way, which is where I went to school for two years. Oh. Uh, the Grand Canyon is its own weird thing. You're Sedona right. certainly oh. is its own universe. Oh, Sedona is its own dimension. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome really when I went is. there. Yeah. But I mean, that's a way that for me, I guess that's why I'm saying. And I say that too, because when I was in college in Flagstaff, yeah. <clears throat> I was having these horrible anxiety attacks that mostly were tied to going back to Tucson. And I think oh, wow. it was, part of it was that um, I had go, having to go home there when I had wanted so much to get away from there because of the weather. But also mm. going back to your point about like having these intense feelings or memories I think when I started having like all my kind of freakouts uh, when I was a freshman in college, when I would go home, I was so hyper stimulated by having lived there for 16, 17 years yeah. and every corner had a memory oh, attached God. to it. Yeah, it's it too was much. too much. It's too much. And I would just, I would just get overwhelmed and like need to sort of like, how do you kind of shut out that out? Because yeah. Flagstaff was so fresh to me and I had made this kind of new life for myself mm-hmm. and 
there was something very incongruous about that and very scary to me on some level. And I, I still can't put my finger on it. It's an interesting phenomenon because some people uh, from my hometown uh, really rooted there and love it mm-hmm. and, and have no desire to leave. And that's great. I I respect that. But I also was like, get me the hell out of here. Yeah. And um, like I said, I've come to appreciate it more now that I'm not there anymore. But I was itching to go. You were. Oh, was it a small community, Olympia? Yeah. And what, and, how big was your school and stuff? Did you sort of ooh. go to school with the same kids all through like K yeah. through 12? Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah. high school was the point where more schools joined. Right. So that was super exciting. Right. But um, I, I feel like I have a terrible memory of the, I think there are about 1,200 people in my high school. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, by the way, I have no idea about mine. I know. I, I'm really bad at that. I, I am too. I, I think maybe I didn't. I didn't go to the high school my senior year because I was so desperate to get out. Oh, yeah. I did one of those running start. Yeah, is that what it's called? Running oh, start? Oh, I don't know. That I'm not confusing like that with like no child left behind. <laughs> okay, okay running, <laughs> running start. Yeah, well, you could take classes college, yeah. and then maybe get college credit. But I didn't care if that happened or not. I just wanted out. Isn't that interesting? I, uh, That's I a real itch. What was... What, uh, can you pinpoint... Was it social experiences that weren't working for you? Was it just like a yes. restlessness in the classroom? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Global, uh-huh. yes. I think um, high school, I've always, I've always, that's the weird thing is I've always loved being a student. Like I could easily probably go back and be a student right I now. the same way about I've thought about it actually. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, don't I, can I stall life for a little while and sure, get a PhD? Sure, sure. But um, yeah, I loved being a student, but the, the construct of school and all the politics and all the social bullshit, it was really hard for me. It drove yeah. me crazy. And I wasn't particularly good at it. Like, man, you know, you see those people in middle school and high school who get it. They know the angle. They play it really well. I'm not sure what cost that has for them yeah. sometimes, but um, I was not good at that. Mm-hmm. And so I was friends with lots of different kinds of folks, but I certainly was never nor really ever wanted to be the popular. It seemed like so much pressure. Mm-hmm. And just was exhausting. sports a big thing? Like, what was the sort of the big thing if there was one at your school? Because you know, some schools have like a great arts department, or some of them right. have a big sports thing. Or Man, uh, if my school had had a great arts department, I wonder uh, what I would be like now. Um, I guess sports. It, we weren't particularly good. It was at a public anything. school. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it was a public school. Um, it was your basic public school. I There was not a whole lot of diversity, which mm-hmm. was something that more and more in retrospect, I'm able to be like, oh, yeah, that wasn't so hot then. Well, that was my next question is <laughs> I can't tell about, you know, because Seattle is fairly, fairly Very. diverse, right? And Very. so I can't tell. I, I wasn't sure in my mind. I was thinking like, I wonder if there were other uh, ethnically Asian backgrounds that you were interacting with or if it and also, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, I, I guess that's. I think we were drawn to each other. The tiny population yeah. that did exist, we were all like, oh, recognition, uh-huh. come come sit with me. And my best friend growing up was half Japanese, and I think I was drawn to her for so many other reasons. But yeah, now that I look back, I think we did sort of tend to hover at least in each other's orbits just for a sense of comfort. What is, is your actual ethnic background? I guess that, okay. that's a really kind of poignant question for me to ask. Well, this is interesting because I was adopted from Korea mm-hmm. as a baby. And so I grew up ostensibly thinking I was ethnically Korean. <laughs> so I took one of those um, genetic tests. Well, you did? Yeah. Are I, your parents straight up white? Oh, yeah. Okay. Straight all right. up. Oh, as white as white can be. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was finally like, oh, the science exists. I could actually sure. learn that. God, I, do, I wonder how much more 
curiosity slash trepidation someone in your position would have doing that versus mm. someone like me who looks exactly like my parents <laughs> do you know right. what i mean like right. i don't feel like there's going to be i'd love for there to be some discovery you there because i don't know. yeah you might have some strain of something you could not sure. expect. but you're right you've had a visual construct yes. to bounce off of your whole yes. life and and as familiar as I am with my parents' faces, and as much as I think of them as my face too, in yeah. a lot of ways, you're right. It's not the same thing. So, yeah, so it took me a while to, to just take the plunge and do it. <laughs> and when I got the results back, I was like, well, holy shit. Oh, no! Wow! <laughs> so I am more Japanese oh, than I am Korean. Interesting. And I am also a bit Chinese, which... None of this was a surprise in the sense in the sense that I, there's so much crossover, particularly sure. within Asian cultures. I think it's like, of course, there's going to be mixing, and of course, yeah. But I did not expect to be more Japanese. Yeah. Did that change your? I mean, that's the kind of information where what do we do with that? Like, do, does it right. change the way we see ourselves in the mirror? Does it change nothing? Does it? You know what I mean? What? Totally. That's exactly what I asked myself. I'm like, so. <laughs> And then I realized I didn't, I didn't really feel any different. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really neat. And in a maybe far-fetched way, I was like, is that why Japanese has always sounded easier to my ear than Korean? I don't know. Of course you don't know. Maybe. But I do enjoy. (laughs) It's a fun speculation. Because when I was in, (laughs) this, this goes back to this kind of same old uh, refrain that I, I feel like I come back to a lot, but it's, it has to do with how how unique I felt I needed to be as a younger person and how vitally important it felt to me and how much I didn't want to, I think it's very common, know really much about my past or, and I still don't, I'm not that person who's like, well, my grandmother's grandmother. Sure. I don't have that. that Some people do. And thank God someone in my family does. My aunt Maureen is very good about like tracking the genealogy. And it may become more interesting to me because I've certainly more interested than I ever was, Mm. but I was so interested in being, you're so interested in being your own person Mm -hmm. that I, I didn't have a real interest in like what was in my DNA or what my bones, you know, but I now sort of, you know, I like the idea that of course it could be completely metaphysical or so totally imagined or whatever, (laughs) but like, I don't know. I mean, if you have a lot of Japanese DNA in you somehow, why isn't it possible that in the same way animals Sure. Have an instinctual sure. understanding to do something that we can't explain why they know how to do that behavior because it's very behavioral and not as, and it's not taught, right. but it's in there somewhere. Yeah, it's not processed. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, don't know. Maybe why not? I heard more Japanese as a baby than I did Korean. Sure. I, I don't know. And so not much at all is known about your birth parents? Zero. 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 Wow. Now, I, I will say this, and uh, there's a whole there's a whole movement devoted to this. It's become much more public in the recent years, but international adoption, while often wonderful, is often really corrupt. Mm. I mean, not surprisingly. Sure. You know, these these organizations that go into other countries and set up shop, and that's basically what it is. It's commerce. Right. You're setting up shop. And sometimes those adoptions happen in a way that is completely unethical yeah. and just horrific to the home country of the child for the birth parents. It's just, it, oh, it could just be terrible. Mm. So... And some of this has come to light about adoption from Korea. Um, but I, 
I personally don't know anything. I've tried to get details. I've tried contacting my adoption agency, both domestically and the branch in Korea, to be met with a, a pretty, pretty quick brick wall. Right. It's civil, but yeah. it's a brick wall. Right. And, you know, the things that I've learned in, in the past about how this information is actually kept leads me to think that it, there may be information that I just can't access. I may, I may need to go, I think, and do like a dedicated time there to try to figure out some things. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Two, three times? No, two times. And um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's good. And I had no expectations. I didn't go thinking, oh, I'm going to set foot in Korea and be like, I'm home. You know, yeah. I wasn't. Sure, sure. <laughs> no. No, but. Um, God, yeah. did I feel American when I was there. Oh, gosh. Oh, I my bet. God. I felt like a Clydesdale. I was just clomping around. You yeah. know, like Korean women, they come in all shapes and sizes, of course. But by and large, my impression was the feminine quality mm. of so many Korean women. And I was just like, huh, huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> laughing really loud yeah. and, you know, sitting with my legs wide I open. Know, you know, me too. My goodness, like do that. I have all those qualities. Yeah. But I was actually, I felt really good about it. Um, I was curious to see if I would feel like an alien there, and I did a little bit, but no more than I would feel in any other country where I didn't have a lot of yeah. context. But was the expectation, and I ask this as, I mean, the only, uh, I don't know, first of all, there feels like there's still something innately racist about being a white person. I just want to acknowledge I'm uncomfortable with it, and I don't know what the answer <laughs> is, because I can't not feel the way I feel, but I also... Sure. I don't want to feel the way I feel the way someone feels that black people are inferior. Like, oh, I don't sure. want to be like, this is just how I feel. But there sure. feels something innately uh, very racist about me being, about saying stuff like, well, that's so much more interesting. That seems different. That seems interesting. Oh, no, but, but, I don't think so. But I, somehow to me, it feels like there's something, there's something very luxurious about being a white person saying like, this is so boring. And it's like, I'm attached <laughs> to this group of people that, you know, in their own way have just been so brutal and awful and like how embarrassing. And, you know, there yeah. feels something like there's something luxurious about having white guilt, I guess. Well, can you, and I, and there's, I don't know how to combat that because you, like, you should rejoice in the fact that now at least in los angeles you are the minority certainly i listen growing up when i was in tucson i was a minority right. i loved it of course i loved it right of I course love, in tucson. i yeah. love that i came equipped with a comfort level with being around a bunch of hispanic people and not yeah. having i don't have that i'm not that way about other cultures i don't have sure. this like us versus them thready kind of thing sure um but i uh, because that's absolutely patently absurd but it's very common for people who oh, yeah whatever culture you grow up in, you're on you have an unease about others if you haven't had a lot of exposure to uh, to you know all different kinds sure and those are the moments when you pick your battles right like yeah. i've had so many well because my last name is polish um that has been the source of some interesting conversations i feel sure and because i look and am asian but have relatively little uh, little experience in what that means to grow up Asian American because my parents weren't Asian. Yeah. So like I don't have, my parents were always fully supportive of me becoming an artist and I never experienced any of the pressure that sometimes comes along with having immigrant parents who want you, who push you to so, the, so hard. To take to, full advantage right. of all of the Which opportunities of that are abundant here. Makes sense. Which totally makes sense. And is great. Absolutely. And I would want the same. But I, That's I, not, that wasn't your experience. No, I had parents who were like, find something that you love so much that you do it for free. And that. Well, that sounds like my dad for sure. And anyway, isn't that what we're doing? Because I don't know about yeah. you. I, 
I have acted for free. Most of it. So many That's times. correct. That's so correct. So that worked out well. But um, yeah, that was the philosophy I grew up yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. I, before this, is, I just want to make sure I have like three different conversations I'm having with you in my head all at once. Okay. And I'm afraid I'll forget at okay. least two of them. And I probably will. <laughs> but the, the tangents I wanted to explore, and now I'm just putting the pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Like, now you have to remember all this. Oh, no. But I wanted to, I want to keep talking about you being there because what brought this up for me was my only version of that, which is limited, is being in Scandinavia, which I think I have zero of in me. So everyone was always like, oh, you're Scandinavian. I'm like, no, Because no, you're tall and blonde. Tall and, <laughs> and have blue eyes. That's what they but say to my I, husband, yeah, too. When I was the there, um, <laughs> in de- specifically like in Denmark or um, yeah. in Norway, everyone assumed I was Norwegian or Danish and just spoke the language to oh, me, God. which doesn't happen to me most foreign countries that I visit. Right. But everyone really... So even there, they were like, you're not? And then yeah. they always like... Then once you say I'm American, they speak better English than you do. They're like, oh, oh. fine. And then oh, they speak perfect God. English. Yeah, but, it's amazing. But, the, but that was here. the first experience I'd had where there was just this like universal assumption that I would speak the language. And mm-hmm. so that's my question mm-hmm. about you being in Korea. Mm-hmm. Is everyone just like... And then, and then was, did people assume that you were Korean or spoke or, or Asian and spoke one of those languages and were you surprised, like, how did they react when you didn't, if that even happened? I was worried about it. And I think I've heard a lot of other adoptees say this too, because most of us don't grow up speaking Korean. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we have this real... I shouldn't speak for everyone. I can. I have at times had this real inferior, inferiority complex about it because there is oftentimes a, a sort of violent reaction, not just from the Korean community. I think probably from any ethnicity, but you don't speak the tongue of which you're sure, from, and sure. and it feels like you've betrayed an entire country. Um, but uh, my parents, bless their hearts, they tried. They put me in Korean language classes. Oh, they did. And I was in there for a little bit, and I was like. I'm bored. I, I just want to get my hair spiral permed well, like everyone else. Well, that's the toughest thing, right? Is that imposing yeah. that on a child is very different than when you kind of have a reason to be interested in it. If it was being spoken at home, adult, yeah. but dear God, I wish they had forced me, like well, change yeah. me to that chair because I would love to speak any other language fluently. Yeah. yeah. I feel like an idiot for not being able to do it. But when I went to Korea, I was a little nervous because I didn't want to just constantly go around disappointing the population. <laughs> But I think, Janet, I I must have they unintentionally just projected yeah. so much American yeah. that they were like, eh, we won't even bother <laughs> with... I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, no one... I don't really recall anyone actively trying to talk to me in Korean. And mm-hmm. when they did, I would say my one little phrase that I knew, which was basically, I don't understand you. And they would very quickly either give up or speak English. Yeah. Now, this was in Seoul, where a lot of people do speak English. But yeah. Um, yeah, that language thing is so, so interesting to me in terms of how it how it can instantly bond people together. Mm-hmm. And I have never had that with any other Asian culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, the closest I get is eating all the food. I mean, listen, oh, I'm right there with you. Which, uh, that that's really wonderful now uh, let me ask you this so uh, how does the conversation with your parents what was that like you know you're Mm. that particular i mean it seems like that could be a potentially sensitive issue sorry guys um 
uh, uh, a potentially sensitive issue, obviously. Like, how sure. do they express that? And by the way, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, because maybe some other people who are listening to this are thinking this, that only two episodes ago, my last boy of summer was Dana Gould, and he has three daughters all adopted from China. So ah, in my mind, this is just going, right. it's going around and around ah, and around yeah, in my yeah, head because we talked about it only very little. Huh. But I've talked a bit offline in life when I'm not on a podcast, which yeah, occasionally cool, happens, though. that I think about that. But all of this stuff is going through my head. I'm hmm. thinking about like the things that he and his uh, ex-wife, you know, the sure. mother of those children, the stuff that they have gone through and kind sure. of what they, you know, trying to do everything right. And, you know, how yeah. much am I? I mean, it just seems like because I have that sort of impetus, like, well, if I had adopted it and I could, you want to be conscientious, if I could bring some, you know, if I could help a child that sure. wouldn't have the opportunities that I've had, sure. uh, wouldn't I do that? And there is that there's just like it's so layered with. It what is. does that bring in with it? And what was that like for you and your parents? Well, I, for me, being adopted was something that I never didn't know. I, I can't remember not knowing. Mm-hmm. It was celebrated. It was matter of fact. It was something I loved hearing the story of over. And like in the same way that maybe other kids, biological kids, love hearing about being in their mommy's tummy and mm-hmm. how the birth was and all that. I loved hearing the story of how I was adopted. Mm-hmm. My poor mother. Oh, my God. She told it so many times. But... To me, that was, I think, a really important anchor. Sure. And um, that's your origin story, right? That's your fairy tale, in a sense. And, you know, it's amazing what people, uh, it's gotten a lot better. And I think living in Los Angeles, big city, it's much better. But growing up, my God, I answered so many of the same kinds of questions that were not ill meant, but, you know, do you ever want to find your real parents? That kind of shit. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, depending on what mood I was in, I would either be like, I know who my real parents are. They're the people who take me to my piano lessons and ground me. And, you know, um, what you're asking is, and then I would supply the biological term and then they would go away, hopefully learning something. But a lot of the time I would just, (laughs) I would just be like, I I don't want to have this conversation with you right now. But in terms of how I talked with my adoptive parents about it, it was, it was always something that was really out in the open. Mm -hmm. Um, I never had any interest of contacting birth family when I was younger, but I have no doubt that if I had, it would have been fully supported. Sure. And that's not always the case. Absolutely. And I've heard some just harrowing stories about people who have been disowned. I mean, for, Boy, that's I don't really sad. Yeah, I don't understand. That's a that's just so. It's just to me. fear. I, don't get it. I mean, there oh, can yeah, be totally. nothing other than fear. Like, it has there's to be. literally no reason I can think of except for, wow, you really must doubt. Yeah. Your relationship with your child. Yeah. In a way they probably don't doubt. No. You I know, think... for you to feel like that, those series of questions deserving answers has nothing to do with creating a bond that is somehow more impactful than the ones that they had with you. And to think it's that you sad. have ownership over any person's life, whether they came out of you or not, is is an interesting yeah. thing to discover. Because um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm really grateful because my growing up, and my adoption was very healthy, I think, mm-hmm. enough as it could be. You know, I'm sure there are things that my parents would look back on and be like, ah, I wish we'd done blank. Right. But that's also all normal. parents feel that way. Yeah. And who's to say, I mean, I have, you know, friends who I, I like, it's so hard to say what, oh. what are you going to get thrown? You know, yeah. you certainly were thrown a very specific set of circumstances yeah. by virtue of what your parents chose and what happened to you and, and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, so does somebody else whose sure. mom gets cancer when they're 10 exactly. or, you know, who's moves around a bunch. Cause they're a brat military brat. Like we right. all have our kind of, here's what I was faced with. And you know, this yeah. is how it 
made me turn out or whatever. I think growing up adopted with this Polish last name has has led to me, hopefully, really cutting out a lot of assumptions about anybody. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't assume a lot about sure. anyone. I don't assume anything about someone because of their name. I don't assume anything about them because of what they look like, just because I am a walking example of being contrary to most assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, like, I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely. So, and by the way, I, I'm proud to say that I really, like, I didn't, I, I hadn't, if you had said, what do you think my story is? I would have been like, I have no idea whatsoever. Sure. Could be that one of your parents is Japanese or Korean or Chinese. Could be that neither of them, are. could be that both of them are. Like, yeah. but your mom remarried and your dad was Polish. Like, who knows? Yeah. You know, well, but that's it's cool. like, but that's a, I guess but I that's didn't a commentary ever... on you because you're open-minded in that way. Whereas I do feel like a lot of people just for safety, they want to put you in the slot as soon as they can. So they go, know where you go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when that doesn't happen, it can be really unnerving. And that's when some of, some of the interesting conversations happen or uh-huh. the ones where you're like, I want to kill myself right now and I hate you. Yeah. So it, it tends to go one of two directions. Generally, for me, if a conversation starts out with something, someone saying, you speak really good English, that's when I'm like, oh my I'm God. out. Oh, that's got to be the worst. I'm out. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's it still amazing. happens. That shit still I'm happens. She's preposterous. No, it's like... Oh my god! Now let's get back to your high school. I have okay. to assume you're great at math and you play the violin, right? No, yes. Okay, so I'm embarrassed to say that one of those things was true. Oh, Although, uh, the the violin one. I was not great at math, I wish and I was I not the great at the violin. I was not great at it yeah. ever. I had to work my ass off to be even okay. Yeah. What made you choose that? Well, originally, I kind of always wish I had. Like, why didn't really? I choose guitar? I guess I know why I chose oh, guitar. Oh, I was offered I to me, but. Guitar. Okay, so when I was um, in grade school, I guess, there was this older kid brother of a friend of mine, and he played the viola. And it, for whatever reason at that time, I thought he was just the coolest. I, man, I thought he was cool. Uh-huh. So I wanted to play the viola. However, when I was that small, they didn't make violas that, that small. Because uh-huh. then it's not a viola anymore. Right. So, <laughs> so I was given the violin and was like, eh, okay, this thing's screechy and horrible. Uh-huh. And That's that true. Is- Nothing sounds... Like with a guitar, you can kind of somehow no, almost sound okay. There's no between. There's kind no of margin no, of error with the great violin. Great point. You either great play point. it well or everyone wants you to go away. That's right. So, yeah. So I played the violin through middle school and that was it. And that's like in a bit an orchestra or a band or something. Yeah. Not, not again, not well. Yeah. Not well. <laughs> I, I, you know, Pachelbel Cannon, that's about his. I, think I would have given it up really fast because I was a lazy child who felt <laughs> really, really uncomfortable when I wasn't good at something right away. I was oh, just I very weak minded and hated criticism and would be so easily hurt that if I picked up that violin and it made that screechy sound, I would be like, I hate myself. <laughs> the window well, i guess i'm done you know yeah it was i and looking back i'm not sure why i persisted because the rewards were not great again i was i never reached the point where i was playing and was like ah the tone <laughs> i was never it was always just a hair's breadth away from killing someone so i don't know why i kept going i guess it was just something i did and sure. a friend of mine also did it and i you know if there's a social element to it i think that makes that's that yeah. says that makes a huge difference as a young person i liked being in the orchestra mm-hmm. i I had no desire for a solo career. I just yeah. liked playing with all those other people, which yeah. is why I eventually came back to acting as a thing because mm-hmm. I realized I want to play with lots of other people. Yeah. Because um, I was doing, I was a graphic designer in Boston and uh, it was lovely. But often, and this was in your early 20s or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But often really solitary. Mm-hmm. And, 
I was getting really bored. God, I can really relate to that. Like creative, but static. I just yeah. sat in front of the computer all yep. day. My ass yep. just got bigger and bigger, and I just got more and more unhappy. And I'm like, but I'm being creative. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized it's the group thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be part of, I just want to be one little piece of a giant mechanism that all is moving toward the same thing. I love that. That to me is super satisfying. I love that. And and yet when you sort of look at, I mean, what you're, to your point about uh, be, liking to be an orchestra, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of broken version of that being a school that's not really doing it for you, it probably is even more frustrating because mm. you're there's if there's some deep yearning that you're not even identifying necessarily for what it mm. is f- to have that experience because you because the mechanism is there and it's in place, yeah. but it's not working for you and it's broken. That seems like it would be yeah. so much harder to have that than to be a person who kind of didn't need that and was just off by themselves and never thought right. about it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or who liked the mechanism the way it was and, mm-hmm. and needed the broken pieces mm-hmm. because that was mm-hmm. the way they could really fly. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. That's how some people in high school were, right? That's true. That's they true. could only be what they were because others were broken. <laughs> well, I'm afraid you're right. And um, those are the people I really never liked and avoided. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I guess the mechanism of high school for me <laughs> never really worked. Mm-hmm. And um, I had some great teachers. I had some fun experiences, but I, it was, it was racist. I had um, a bully who was really racist to me. And for what reason? <sighs> I do not know. Right. I mean, I never remember wronging him. I'm sure I, you didn't. But I, I wonder was, if he knows, and I wonder if that's yeah. anything, it's something he's ever thought about since. I wonder, too. And I wish I could remember his name, quite frankly, because he's one of those people that you want to look up and secretly be like, oh, you're working at a, you know. <laughs> or, or you want to be like, oh, you seem to have turned a corner. Sure. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess I was an easy target because there weren't that many of us. Mm-hmm. And I must have looked like I was pretty happy in my life. Otherwise, why would he want to bring me down? I don't know. Yeah. But um, that sucked. Yeah. And then... It's lucky that there are so many great Chicago songs about racism for you to just really (laughs) sink right into. They really get me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, 80s music. Like, I was thinking about it on the way over. I was listening to some in the car to try to remind myself of those times. And... um. Man, Sting, it didn't even matter what he looked like, didn't it? Yeah. You could fall in love with him just based on what he sounded like. I know, like, right? you really Man, could. God, that voice. That's a good voice at the 80s. I would oh. put Peter Gabriel up there, too, yeah. in that same, same category. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. Just evokes a whole nother level of your imagination. Yeah. Were you, uh, w- uh, this is where, exactly where my mind went. I, I always bring it back to me but I was thinking about those two and then I was thinking about like always having kind of holding a torch for those two even as I was like got real into sort of more like you know goth or or uh, emo or whatever we didn't call it emo back then guys Uh, but like the Cure and Depeche Mode and all that and I was thinking and then I started thinking like oh I wonder if Joy did like did you get into any kind of trouble in that like did you do drugs or drink or like did you have that experience in, in high school at all I did not. I was so nerdy. My friends and I would get together and <laughs> play the piano and sing. That's I what we did. I think that's adorable. Well, here's the thing. Like, Which, by the way, I also <laughs> had friends I would do that with, even though like the next night I would drop acid and go to a club. So it was very, uh, well, it was a real enigma. You know what's funny, Jenna, is I always, part of me always yearned to have an opportunity like that. Mm-hmm. But quite frankly, I was never presented with it. Sure. And I... 
I guess I could have been more active in seeking it out. It was certainly there. I mean, God, it was the Pacific Northwest. It was, I right, mean, there was right. no lack of drugs. Right. But I, for whatever reason, just never found myself in its presence. Um, I mean, I did other things. Like, <laughs> I just never got caught. That was the thing. Yep. Like, my senior year of high school, I snuck out of the house pretty much every night to go spend the night at my then-boyfriend's house, oh. who didn't live with his parents. Oh, my. He had his house with his older brother. Yeah. So, But that was the extent. We'd get on his motorcycle. We'd go into the night. Listen, that's pretty great. But that was the extent. A lot of people, of a lot of people I know would have wanted to be able to do that and have that as seniors in high school. Maybe that was satisfying enough for me. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know... And my my dear parents were so trusting that even when they would like discover the screen off the window and they, my dad would just be like, "What's this doing here?" You know? They, uh, oh He's my not god! Connecting any dots. That's they so were delightful. Very, very trusting. But I just I just was good at not getting caught, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was never really anything terribly illicit. Mm-hmm. And you said there was no theater really for you, or you did theater, but it wasn't good. I did a high school play where I had no lines, and I mostly did it because um, my best friend was really into theater and was a wonderful actor, and I just wanted to be able to hang out with her and stuff, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I was given um, the no lines part, which was just fine, actually. I was not, because that wasn't on my radar at all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I was a dancer. Oh, well, there you go. I played the piano. Was it ballet or was it ballet and then modern? So Martha Graham stuff came Mm -hmm, in in mm -hmm. high school, and um, that was where I was naked on stage. In that, oh, that's fun. But the acting thing—that was my friend's thing, and Mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need to be a part of it at all. But yeah, that was a that was a straight production of Les Mis. There was no singing; it was just words. Oh, that's amazing! I think many people would argue that what makes that what it is is probably the music. But I know, I know. Listen, I got to get into this mash game pretty soon. But I, if you think I'm going to gloss over you being naked on stage in high school during a dance production, no, no, not literally, not literally. I see, I see, I see, I see. No, not literally. I mean, this is really taking a bold turn. Yeah, I would not. I didn't want anyone to see my knees, much less my entire body. I wish I was that cool. Like I look at someone like Tavi Gevinson now and I'm yeah. like dang she is just effortlessly cool she can't help it she one well, of those people she just seemingly can't help it I was so far removed from being effortlessly cool uh-huh. if I even came close it was through so much manual effort <laughs> I, that I you know, I couldn't enjoy it right I never enjoyed those moments because I was so busy stressing out about how I got there what I was going to do when I got there and right. how I was going to make it last as long as possible which it oh, never did. God, it's it never so exhausting. Did. Oh, did you keep a journal? Oh, I still have them. You do? They're, they're God, I need to start like a separate podcast just of being able to read some of that stuff because mm-hmm. it, there's that's a whole other. Like I don't mind exercising my high school demons and and all the things I'm embarrassed about who I am now. I choose not really to talk about. It's very sure. easy to kind of go. Well, we all can give ourselves a pass because this was a long time ago, right? Isn't uh, that charming and awkward? Yeah, uh-huh. but like yeah. reading some of that stuff to anyone but myself—that's a whole other level of like, am oh, I God. am I willing to go there? Yeah, I. For me, when I look back on those journals, it, it's sheerly embarrassing because of the repetition. It's just, it's sure. like I'm on a loop. Sure. It's just the same fucking thing over and over again, and it's not interesting. Right, right, right. But Is it just about, it was, like, boys or oh friends? God, or boys, all boys, yeah. yes, parents, friends, just the trauma of being that particular age and with yeah. no perspective. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's colossally boring. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I mean, I just wish I had been more interesting. That's all. Yeah. I just wish I had had more of a point of view. Yeah. And less of a just what was right in front of my nose at that time that seemed like the be all and end all of the world. Yeah, I had no, I had no awareness in a broader sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None. I'm. What brought you to Boston? I uh, went there after college um, because I got a job, mm-hmm. and my then boyfriend, who would then become my first husband, uh, was from there. Okay. So when did you guys why. get married? 1997. Which I don't mean to say like like when in that way necessarily, but like how like in terms of your age or your I, kind of where like were you how ready were you and what do you what prompted that experience and I was a worldly 21 when mm-hmm. I got married mm-hmm. and um I I how was thinking you guys about this too oh God so, uh, through college yeah so it's not like it was someone you met it wasn't that no. kind of marriage where no. you're like I met him we're doing it no it wasn't although. You know, I for so much of my life, everything, I pushed everything to go faster. I just wanted everything. I wanted to speed through everything. Well, God, yeah. I mean, that. I guess that reminds me that we never really, I guess there's not that much more to say about you deciding to take college classes or to just sort of mm. get out of the high school environment. But yeah, that was part but of yeah. it. Like, I started to read because it's really interesting because, started, yeah. It's like, everything just, I don't know why everything started young for me. And then that momentum pushed me into my first marriage, which at the time felt completely normal to get married after I graduated college when I was 20, got married when I was 21. And that just seemed like the natural trajectory Mm -hmm. for someone who was racing so hard to go so fast for what? Hmm. Why was I trying to move so fast? Yeah. Because now all I want to do is slow the fuck down. <laughs> I just want everything to calm down. Yeah. Can we not move so quickly through time? Yeah, yeah. So what was my rush? I don't know. It's interesting. Well, especially, I mean, it sounds, it's, yeah, it's interesting because those things, what am I trying to say? So as I am now trying to psychoanalyze you in the no, most please. casual way. Please do it. No, I'm just wondering, like, because because a lot of what you talk about is sort of like, I'm real. I'm really... I'm really uh, turning this into like a, a synopsis that probably isn't accurate, but so, but some of the stuff that you said is, has been so like, well, I just accepted that because that's all I knew or that's what I understood. Mm. And that's just what I thought I should do. Or I was in violin, you know, I played violin for this reason. There wasn't really was a lot of thought behind it, that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> but, but I counter that with my own experience, which I, I'm sure I've said this before when, when people have said as, as younger people that they made bold choices, which I would c- consider not going to your senior year and, and trying to move faster huh. to be a bolder choice. So it's interesting to me that, you know, in some ways you, you felt so unformed, but mm. you were, but there was, there's something so specific and defined about your eagerness to be formed yeah. that it's still very ambitious you know what I mean? Because I, I wasn't do. ambitious like that. I didn't, I was lost, but I also felt like I had no choice but to stay lost for however long high school lasts. Huh. You know what I mean? I never yeah. explored, maybe I could get out of here early or maybe this or maybe that. Do you well, know what I mean? I appreciate and like that take on it because that definitely feels more proactive than just sort of being in a constant mode of panic when you're mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. But you're you're right. I, I guess there was an element of that. And that's something that as I've gotten older, I've come to recognize about myself slowly over time is that I am when I need to be good at finding a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if it isn't working and sometimes it can take years. Sure. And sometimes it needs it to take years. But when I finally get that ray of clarity, I cannot ignore it mm-hmm. for better, or for worse. I have to act on it pretty fast. I don't see the point of waiting. Yep. 
which may not lead to the best outcome sometimes emotionally for other people who I'm involved with in relationships. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But I cannot... It, I can't hold on to something once I have come to understand it to be true. I yeah. can't push it away or tamp it down. Yeah. It's there. It's it's glaring at me, and I have to act on it. So maybe, yeah, that's that's true. And I think, like I said, when I was that young, even though I thought I was functioning with full autonomy, I was like, this is what I want to do, Right, is get married now. Right. <laughs> I wasn't like, maybe... Yeah, and, but just, it all, yeah, you know. and it also wasn't like, oh, he's pressuring me, no. and I don't know how to do that. You know what I no, mean? That's no. a whole different story. You know, don't, to- other- totally. There was no outstanding circumstance that made it mm-hmm. important. I, there was nothing, but I was like, yeah, I'm so <laughs> savvy that I'm going to get married now. I, and I don't regret it at yeah. all. How long I, were you guys married? Ten years. Well, listen, that's not anything to sneeze at. <laughs> no, and it was a really great ten years in many, many ways. Yeah. And then I think, like a lot of people do, we just kind of went, you know, we just bifurcated. And I think um, that was an instance of me realizing something without him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what made it hard. Yeah. Of course. Sure. Of course, because I've definitely been in that position, too, where you're like, oh, where someone suddenly starts waving this banner with information about your personal relationship, and you're like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. And now you're telling everybody. Yeah, so I that's think that's hard. what that felt like, having been on that side of it. But and then after ten years in a marriage, it's, you know, because like anything else, it's habitual. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get used to certain things. Your partner yeah. gets used to certain things. Yeah. You take things for granted. Yep. And, um, and some of that can be wonderful. I mean, that's yeah. that's the stuff oh, I always yeah. go. I mean, we could have a whole other hour conversation about um, the construct of marriage or just of long term partnership. Mm. But um, you know, a, a part of that I think is like ultimately in its best form, like a really wonderful thing that you you oh, need yeah. that to stay together with it's someone, like to get you through consistent. times when yes. you would otherwise give up. Especially yes. I mean, as a young person, again, I can't imagine maintaining a relationship for ten years, much less three years when I was that age. Me either. But, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> there it was. Oh God. But you know, as you get older, it's just like those those sort of things that you come. You know, we. It's so funny because we all have this like really. I was thinking about this the other day. All of the different dichotomies, like the like the the hypocrisies inside of what we espouse as like great stuff. It's like we're sad when a marriage breaks up, but then we're happy. Like there's something really confusing about it because we all like there's this there's this still this like the, the romance is beautiful, but it's not less it's not more or less sad or more or less happy than someone figuring out that they can't be with the person that they're with either. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yes. I want to be just as happy for somebody who a couple stays together and the, and it's this old couple and they love each other so much and they're best friends and they've done everything together that when one dies, the other one dies because their heart is broken. Like we all sort of love those sure. stories, sure. but I also want to not feel bad. You know, I, I don't want to feel like if, if, if someone in their eighties gets divorced, I don't want to be like, that is a shame. Right. Or somebody, you know, it's like, why is it a shame? Cause frankly, having been divorced now, I've come to understand if someone tells you they're getting a divorce, you say, congratulations. Yeah. Because often they deserve it. And, yeah. and it may be hard for them right now and their partner. They may be having a really hard time. But ultimately, 
there's a reason why it's happening right. and it's probably going to make both people happier. And whatever it was, I mean, some marriages are like this and some marriages aren't, but I just had this idea. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think this, particularly since I just thought of it off the cuff, I've pro- <laughs> which means almost certainly I've heard it somewhere like 10 times and now I'm like, I just had an original thought, everybody. But take credit. But I, I'm going to go ahead and take yeah. No, but like, it's almost like, you know, in your case... You know, to be uh, 31, 30, 31, and to decide that your 10-year marriage needed mm. to be over, especially at that age, to me, that's like, I graduated my marriage, everyone. Do you yes. know what I mean? It's like, congratulations, no. you graduated, you got your degree in marriage. <laughs> you right. were married. Yeah. You had that experience. It was and like now school. you're not, you know? Like, yeah. that's that That was an experience that you had. You graduated. I Instead think you're of, right. you know, and I'm not saying that that means everyone needs to graduate out of their marriage, no, but sure. in some cases, that's really what it is. I think you're right. And dear God, from when you're 20 to 30, I don't know for you, it's a giant no, it's, decade. It's I can't a huge even decade. begin to. Take, to tease that apart and imagine the consistency of one relationship, I can't. When I think about the people that I was drawn to oh, God. and the relationships that I had throughout that decade versus th- now, you would never believe that those, like, you would never think that those people had a girlfriend in common. No. Do you you're know right. what I mean? I mean, there are, there are certain fundamental things about ourselves that I'm sure were true then that are true sure, now. Sure, 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 but, sure. But my taste or what I needed to see oh, reflected back God. or what I was searching for. That was vastly My different level of from tolerance here. alone. Right. Is m- much more, I'd like to think, much more highly developed now. And hopefully my, but, uh, but I'm also hoping that my tolerability has improved as oh, I've God, gotten older. Oh, God, that's a good I point. Yes. Can Imagine people handle being in a relationship me? with myself much less 10, 15, 20 years ago. Oh, teenager. I see that with myself now. Corey's one of the most patient men I know. And my ex-husband was one of the most patient men I know. And I'm seeing the trend here. Because I, I apparently, my dad... Is one of <laughs> it's true i i require patient men but um that's okay i've learned to accept that okay. about myself it's absolutely okay yeah but um yeah well you know i think i mean my mom died when i was 30 and that was really what triggered a whole fundamental oh, sure yanking of the cosmic table sure, clock. Sure. that really triggered a lot and for that i will be forever grateful yeah because without it i don't know yeah. Would I have ever been like, oh my God, this is my life. Yeah. I can see it. It's a long, narrow road and there's no outlets. And that terrified me. Yeah. And um, it was a lot like what I think I saw her life being. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, if there's any legacy that my mom would want to leave, I think it would be for me to be happy. And if I need to make some big changes to do that, do them. Yeah. Make them. I think that's gorgeous. I think that's I do, I do believe she would wanted have wanted me to be happy yeah, no matter what that meant. So Absolutely. Yeah, took me a while to figure that one out, but like I was on autopilot for the first year after her death. I was just I was on the loop. Oh my god, that was the, going into the second season of that show and I was like this. I was just like robotic. I was like, "Uh, I have to go be on TV now." Like I didn't I I had a really hard time. I was grateful for it, though. Well, that's that's part of what... I mean, I'm sure most people who lose someone or have a major upset in their life in some way uh, that makes it traumatic, even sometimes when it's big in a good way. Mm-hmm. But um, there are certain jobs that I think it's harder to connect with in terms of their importance mm. than show business. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe as a as a... As a teacher, uh, you know, engaging children and 
shaping our future in a very literal way right maybe that feels meaningless also maybe being a doctor feels meaningless if you've just lost your mom i don't know i can't speak to that but i do know that it is difficult to sit in a makeup chair for 90 to two hours Mm -hmm. when all you can think is this is the most meaningless (laughs) tacky yeah it it superficial thing i could possibly be doing with what i'm I'm feeling inside Yeah. yeah Which, though, maybe that's the savior aspect of yeah. it, is you're putting on a costume. Yeah. You get to be someone else for however many hours of the day yeah. and uh, psychologically push aside the things that you're not ready to deal with yeah. and then face them when you are. I don't know. Yeah. I, had, I was so new to the business, too, at that point that I didn't know if I was coming or going, frankly. Yeah. So maybe it was good that that all happened at once. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I would do now if that happened. I might be like, bye, I'm going to Bali, see y'all later. Sure, you sure. Know? I'd be like, I'm out. Yeah. But then I was just like, I have a job to do. Right. I lost my mother, but yeah. I have to show up at work, so I'll do that. <sighs> you know, I don't well, know. it happened the way it did. It did, it did. I mean, you seem really great now. I, you know, I have moments of How long ago great. did we meet? We were both new. Yes, because On the Lot happened... <sighs> I mean, it might have been my second summer in... Los yeah, Angeles. it wasn't that it long was, after. Yeah. It was not that long after the loop because maybe 2000, I want to say 2007 or 8, mm. even maybe Might have even been 2007. Maybe even earlier than that. I'm it not might even have kidding. Been. I don't I I just remember again, it was it was that sort of like I don't really know how this all works. Even oh. even though I had been here maybe a I year or two. I was happy to be there. Yeah. My ignorance was bliss, mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. Before I knew you could get fired after a table read, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just really happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just try to keep connecting with that. <laughs> even burdened with the information we have. Oh, God. Joy, I could talk to you for a thousand years. I got to get into this MASH game, which okay. I'm also excited about. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, you know, first, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go right into the neighborhood of make believe, not okay. uh, in a Rista Rogers way. Even though I probably I like owe him and his legacy money for using that term. Uh, <laughs> three uh, places that are not real, but that it would be really fun to be able to jump into, be it uh, from film or a book or television. Um, Narnia, wonderful. wonderful. I mean, every closet door leads there, right? Um, uh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> Have to assume so. <laughs> um, I lived heavily in the world of Anne of Green Gables. Well, Joy. And I would want to to experience all of those things. Now, listen, it's been a while since we did a major obsession with Anne of Green Gables. That came on earlier in the podcast. For some reason, I had like Ah, eight guests in a row-ish. Really? Who Uh, were obsessed with... uh, Oh, yeah. And I was too. And so I've, I've certainly talked about it ad nauseum. But... I do feel it's been a while, so let's just get ah. right back into it briefly. Oh, oh my god! Have you been to PEI? Because no, I still haven't gone. I haven't. I'm kind of afraid to. Yet it feels like the most important thing in the world, and it's felt like that <laughs> since I was like eight. <laughs> yes, I understand. Like you don't want to, you don't want to tarnish any of the gloss that yeah, lives on PEI yeah. Island because of those books. But then when I talk to people, they're like, oh, it kind of is exactly is that, that magical. Yeah. Why? Well, or at least I've heard. I don't know, who am I talking to? Am I talking to like us, like kindred spirits? I don't know. Am I just kindred talking to Canadians spirits. who were like, it's really pretty? But, yeah, you know, I feel like Canadians are like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. But kindred spirits. I need the white way of delight. Like, I need the, <sighs> you know what I mean? I need, yeah. because that is the, I the still have that. Delight. <laughs> but it I never still have that me, relationship huh? to being outside, I think. Like, I still, yeah. 
have that. I think if you grow up in a place where nature is prevalent, like a big part of your childhood, yeah. then I do think that resonates with you in a different way. I mean, just the way that she would, Ella Montgomery would describe light and smells and yeah. sounds in the trees. And that was all something that I was really present for me as yeah. a kid. Yeah. So it was not hard to imagine it in this other magical place, you know, really far north and east. Yeah. But, um, oh God, you know, just the idea, again, I think of being an outsider, you know, that was her appeal, right? Yeah. She was plunked. She was an orphan. She was mm-hmm. plunked down in this Oh, God, absolutely. No, you know, I'm sure you could really relate like, to that. I want red hair. You know, I, I mean. I know. So did I. And I didn't, I was not adopted. Although, when you were talking <laughs> about the uh, idea of being, like, having that origin story that is yeah. a sort of lullaby, I was such a fucked up child because of, for whatever reasons, <laughs> and my parents divorced, and when they, when it happened, all uh, that. Oh, like, my obsession was, I hope my mom isn't my real mom, which I oh, still hold on to guilt so about. So many kids, you know though, what I mean? want to be adopted. Yeah, I did not want to, be, like, I remember, like, a, like screaming at her, like, I know you're not my mom. You know what right. I mean? Like, which, no, but Imagine I mean, being a mother and hearing that. Oh, How do well. you get past that? As a child, you're just, like, a crazy child. And you, that's I don't the reason, know. like, as an adult, hearing that and, like, having to filter that through all the other sure. emotions you're feeling about your marriage ending and all that stuff, like, sure. God bless her. I don't know how she got through that. I can only think that at some point she might have wished that herself with her mother. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's And, a good like, point. and all the things that you get, uh, that you hear as an adopted kid from people who aren't adopted, the mystique of not being biologically related to your parents, you want to be like, yeah, but I have so many friends who feel like aliens in their family or who wonder i came from there yeah so absolutely absolutely it's taught me that the bloodline thing it's as important as you make it and otherwise it's not at all yeah because i yeah i've never felt i really went off on a serious end of green okay but no but that's that's Uh, what happened end of green gables good luck with your third one how are you going to top end of green gables yeah it's that's hard a place i've always wished i could go that i just imagined I like the idea that you would just do that for each category I give you. As you think about it, you repeat to yourself what the category is. So no one forgets what you're thinking about. Right. It's also so I don't forget. My goldfish attentions. I think, you know, the Muppets. I, I oh, would want great to one. be in that world. God, great, great, great. Specifically up in the box with those grumpy old men. Because they had all the power. Yeah. They could just yeah. sit up there and piss on people. Uh-huh. And no one would. You know, and that's what we all secretly want to be able to do oh, at some hilarious. point. Right? I love it. Like I there were it. no penalties for them. Yeah. They yeah. got the last word, yeah. literally. They, really they got the last word. Themselves. And, oh, yeah. They really laughed at each other and themselves. Yeah, that, that's it. That could be a fun place Fantastic. to live. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do... Uh, let's do three types of transportation that are somehow unique or different than just the standard sort of getting around in a car. I mean, I'll accept the basics of like, I wish I could ride a bike at super speed, but be safe, or even just that you could walk really fast, or you can get real crazy and like, give me some imaginary like teleportation, uh, rocket ship kind of stuff if you want. Oh, you know what? I've never, I've never had real big uh, transportation fantasies because to me, like I was a kid who grew up during drawing Corvettes and Trans Ams. Amazing. Like I, and well, in that case, I will go straight up <laughs> retro mash and say three cars you wish you could drive because that is a perennial oh, old oh, school mash classic. Let's just I, shift over. I've always loved old cars. I'm obsessed with the International Scout. Okay, I am obsessed okay. with it. I have pictures of it on my phone. I don't even know what it is. 
I, I I look at them. It's um it's from the world of like you know the Broncos, those old. Broncos, oh yeah, but like, or like a Toyota Land Rover, old yeah. school, something like that. Much cooler. Maybe though. I've seen one. Okay, had, you'll have to show me a picture. There's models that have bench seats. There were oh, scouts wonderful. that you could have like five different ways depending on what kind of like back bonnet part you wanted uh-huh. versus the convertible versus I, I there's something about it that appeals to me so profoundly. I love it. And then I remember really wanting a Miata. Sure, oh, that God. was like definitely but, a thing. You to know, want before I realized, nice. if you put any pressure on it, it would collapse. <laughs> like those cars are so unsafe. Now, should I create in this mash world a safe uh, Miata for you? Yeah, like all the good and none of the bad of the Miata. A Wonderful. Miata that could go through a wall. There we go. <laughs> a Miata tank. Sure, <laughs> I want sure. That. Um, okay, number three. Okay. In my dreams, I have the I have the dream like a lot of people do, where when you're trying to escape something, yes. you rise into the air. Yes, I don't fly; I run in the air. Oh, I love that air <laughs> and running. I've always thought that actually would be really satisfying. Depending, oh, like absolutely. the faster you run, then yeah. you just naturally lift off. Yes, and you just have to maintain a certain speed. You yep. don't have to be going like full tilt. Yeah, sprint, but you just have to keep the legs turning. Yeah, and then you can just. Rise or fall, depending on how fast you're running in the air. I love everything about it. But isn't that so, like, stereotypically Asian? Yeah, but you got to work for it. <laughs> you still but you have to work too. in the air. Like, I have oh a lot God. of dreams of, like, it's more bounding and leaping and sort of... Ah. I have dreams where I, t- I sort of touch the ground, but then I'm running in the air for a while, and then I briefly have to touch down to bounce back up oh, and run in the air. More, Much more so than like, yeah, oh, I'm the, gliding with like facing yeah. down. Never had that. And I think it's almost like I get motion sick if I'm on my stomach in the air somehow. <laughs> Your subconscious knows yeah, that it doesn't, doesn't necessarily to appeal to in me. Your dreams. I think maybe maybe there's something about that. I love that. I love uh, this combination of these three things. Look, I'm going to get this right out of the way. All due respect to your wonderful husband, Corey. Yes. This is a mash game. I need okay. three gentlemen. Oh. Um, could be, you know, uh, Kevin Costner in the Bull Durham era. I don't know why I pulled him out and I really had to think but of a, a reason why. that's a good why. era. It is a good era. Well, he was hot. I used to have a picture of him in my bedroom. Well, how did I know that? I've never brought up Kevin Costner as an example for anyone. Oh, yeah. I used, there was a, some, there's some spread of, of guys in like Life Magazine or something. Mm-hmm. And um, Dennis Quaid was one of them. Sure. Ooh. There's another one. But okay. The sad thing is the second you said no respect. No disrespect to your husband. I was like, oh, she's going to want me to name. And I instantly was like, <laughs> I was like, Idris Elba. Oh, well, yes. I mean, that's I, who everybody gets a pass. Just had to Idris fan Elba. myself. I know. I know. That I man. Know. That man I know, is I know. extremely appetizing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. yeah, Idris Elba's hot. Clive Owen, I've always found Clive I, Owen. That was to my. Be, it's like, so funny. I was super hot. About to say him. Now. I was about to say. Yeah, you know he has that sort of like smoldering Clive Owen quality, mm. and there he is, second oh on your list. Oh my god, he is. Just Have you watched the fantastic. Nick? No, not yet. You is he fantastic? Get on it. That's great because I've run out of shows. I, it's I've, so good. Now he's not, you know, rakish in that he's a mess, right? But Great. That movie is so. I mean, the movie. It is like a movie. Every single episode is like a small Steven Soderbergh movie. Like, it's gnaw on his chin. It's amazing. I, he's great. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will watch because I'm a big fan of his. From the time when he was kind of an unknown and was doing those short film commercials for what car company was it? And he was this driver. You know, oh, one of those stoic, yeah. doesn't talk a lot but smolders. Yes. Yes. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Long time Clive Owen. Okay. Got it. And third agree. one. Who am I always like, oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, 
I use, I feel like this used to be so much easier for me to do back in like the teen phase where yeah. your idols were so present and new kids on the block. It was like, yeah, all of them. <laughs> I want all of them. Uh, but now I feel like I have a much harder time. And frankly, what I'm attracted to is so, so different. Yeah. You know? Oh my God, Jenna, I don't know. I might have to come back to it and mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. think on it. Yeah, you back. really have these two right up top, and I'm trying to think of who else I would put frankly, in this Because frankly, not like Stephen Colbert. Uh-huh. No, but I mean, Very that's, attractive. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. I would totally spend time with him. Well, um, let's just put that in there. I mean, I think but that's But you know what I mean? That, like, that's how it's changed yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Where, you know, the days where women are being like, oh, Bill Clinton, I can see why. And I was like, yeah. what are you nuts? Uh-huh. But I, now I kind of get that. Yeah. Not yeah. him, but I get why. Yeah. Charisma has, uh, charisma really starts charisma. to like. Yes. Yeah. Although I guess I was, I, now speaking of early starters, these guys know, but like I, I think it was charisma for me way earlier. Like I had no time for new kids on the block because I was, you know, obsessed with like Kevin Klein. <laughs> Oh, Kevin And his Klein. handsome mustache. He's fantastic. Yeah, what a what a wonderful... Oh, God. God. He's the best. He is amazing. <sighs> but I can't oust Stephen Colbert, because that's a really good, too. Yeah, um, so uh, another classic for me, uh, three food types, as general or as specific as you want to get, that have no uh, bad ramifications on your body or mind. So in perpetuity, can be like, at the snap of a finger, it can be like this one thing you had once that you wish you could have all the time. Uh, with no consequences, or can just be like pizza. Mm, I could live off of the potato if it, yeah. that was an option. If it suddenly was given all the health recommendations, yes, I would live in happily, this world that has happily off the potato in any form. Doesn't matter. Bacon, potato fried, in all forms. So I, love it. A hash brown. I don't care. I love. I love the potato. And I was really excited recently when it was revealed that it contains what iron? No, I don't know some nutrient which sold it. When I when we were growing up, potatoes were important. Yeah. They no one said stay hearty. away from potatoes. No. And since when are potatoes the demon? Something know, has to be I demonized know. in food. Uh, otherwise, someone won't make money. I know. So they're the poor potato. But yes, the potato. Um, <laughs> I love, I actually love Korean food. Mm-hmm. I love how spicy it is. Mm-hmm. I love that it's like getting slapped sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it. um, it's bracing. Like you don't, and I love that like with a lot of other cultures that aren't American, you got to take your time with that shit. Do you know sure. What I mean? That's Korean a good point. Korean food comes out and yep. you're meant now you inhale it very quickly because it's delicious, but you're meant to linger. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's something culturally that I often yearn for. Yeah. I love after a dinner being like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It's been five hours. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. That's a really good point. I would say that um, uh, in solidarity with you, in terms of the sort of like, what is the comfort food version of different cultures, mm-hmm. if you think of it as a sort of stew, soupy mm-hmm. component, whatever that is, mm-hmm. bimbap to me oh. is like, oh, they nailed it. Yeah, because you just get to Like, that's everything. Up. Yeah, you could. You're right, yeah. all oh, the flavors. So good. Like, poke is that way. I'm yeah, poke being that version. Poke. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anything that's sort of, you're right, like a melange and of spicy, things. And spicy, yeah. you know. All these sensations. Yeah. yeah. Like it's an adventure to eat it. Absolutely. It's a, like it has a narrative. Like you went on vacation yes. in a food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Okay. Uh, potatoes, Korean food. Potatoes, Korean food. And then um, I really love, uh, okay, this is weird. I, I, I Maybe someone else has experienced this. If I eat peanut butter. Yeah. I must then have cheese. Oh, interesting. 
That's I, first of all, I don't think that's weird because if you go to the store, you can buy cheddar crackers with peanut butter in them. So it's not like it's out of control. Not true. You know what I mean? I just looked the other day. Oh my longingly uh, at a box of peanuts themed. I mean Charlie Brown. Oh uh, yeah, peanuts themed crackers of some sort that were like these small cheddar cheese circular crackers with peanut butter center. And well, of I was course. like, oh I, god, if I could still have gluten, that's what I would do. Like that's what I would eat. I would get those thank little you sandwich crackers for validating that because yeah. I, I've never, of course that exists and that's a thing yeah I, but it's like a primitive thing and it's something that I'm always slightly like furtive about because <laughs> I just feel like why do I need it I mean, you know when you think about it it's like you would get like a on a, in like in an appetizer tra- like if you were at a party there would be like nuts, nuts. on the same plate as cheese it would be like You're a right. nut and cheese platter but you're when right. we put it in, when we put the two things when we once you put it into a butter form for some reason it feels like yeah, it's you're not right. the same but I think it totally makes sense thank you you're right it they totally does they complement each other um, peanut butters and pe- peanut butters and cheeses peanut butters and um, amazing okay next one is uh, let's do um, I, I do always enjoy this one. It's been a while since I've done it, but let's do like t- types of dress that for whatever reason you would not walk around with, but in this alternate mash world, whatever it is you're interested in is also comfortable. So, you know, you could pick something that you sort of be like, God, I would love to see what it would be like to be fabulous in blank, but I would never do that because I'm way too interested in being comfortable in this world. Everything is of the same comfort level. Okay. So and I don't it can have be from to any consider era. Lack so, of breath. yeah. So, so there's no, you can breathe, you can, okay. you can dress as a man, you can wear a beautiful kimonos mm. everywhere, which is what I would do. Uh, mm. yeah, anything like that. That's like, no one looks askance at you. You get to try it on. I have always thought the hoop skirt is intriguing. Love it. Mostly because I think I, because I grew up dancing in the Nutcracker and that character, Mother Gigone, I Mm -hmm. think she's called different things, but has that enormous skirt where all the children come out from under. Yeah. That's probably a a psychological story. (laughs) But anyway, I'm not going to think about that. I just, I like the idea. (laughs) What would I keep under there? Amazing. A whole population. Uh But I I think maybe because what interested me about it always was the fact that the rest of the outfit was so binding, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. women could not breathe yeah. in the rest of it, but underneath they could do anything they wanted. So it was like the, the first subversive wardrobe in a way because god knows what was going on underneath the skirt really good point point? yeah underneath i think that's have a mini fridge under there and no one would know i think that's fascinating it's such a good point so that's always been kind of interesting to get you into that hoop skirt and taking up that much space too that's true as a woman you know there's no denying she's got a perimeter that's right you know, and I guess culturally, right? Like that was an accessibility thing too, right? Like you couldn't have a man. God, I would love to, I would take a college class that you teach on the hoop skirt. <laughs> I really would. I've never thought about it in any of these terms and suddenly it feels like the most important thing in well, it's life. it's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that kind of dress and the level, the levels of it and the layers yeah. of it. Yeah. It's um, a piece of machinery. Yes. Yeah. And like when you watch that great, um, what's that great movie about um, Marie Antoinette? Was it called Marie Antoinette? Where they had that the great, an, an, yeah, that anachronism mm-hmm. of the converse and all that. Like I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that movie, it was only, the only reason to see that movie really was the clothing. Yeah, it's, it's a very oh, conceptual, visual sort of gorgeous. eating. Yeah, yeah, the food and the clothing yeah. and the level of detail. Okay, so the hoop skirt. Great. Um, I, I would, I would, and... And do and have worn men's clothing and mm-hmm. dig it. Yes. 
Oh, I, I could, yeah. growing up, I, I went in my dad's closet constantly. Yes, Thank God he wasn't a huge man or it would have been ridiculous. But I mean, my dad was fairly larger than me and I still would wear like his flannel shirt. Well, it was a, flannel shirt. That was very convenient in the 90s. No, but yeah, that was shirts. our, that was our jam was yeah. flannel shirts and I wore men's pants and yep, I was too. like the baggier, the better. Yes, and, yes. um, I had no desire to flaunt my body in any way and I don't think I was hiding because I wore cute jeans and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. you know pin pegged my cuffs and whatever yeah. but I loved wearing men's clothing yeah. because it was so freaking comfortable yeah me too and I love nowadays that this has become just part of what we wear as fashion as mm-hmm. women men's clothing yeah or like the influence thereof yeah like to see a woman in a tuxedo is like no big deal or yep. to see women wearing men's styled shoes, no big deal. Yeah. So yeah, men's clothing That's is great. fantastic. Great, great, great. And then quite frankly, <laughs> it would be fantastic not to wear any clothes at all. Great. If I could walk around, it would not cause any issues. Just like you did on that stage in high school. Nope, nope, Janet. Nope. You were misremembering that. <laughs> Actually, you have turned it into let's a memory. insert that. That makes me so much more interesting <laughs> in time, high school than you I was. Naked as a dancer in high school. Yeah. Um, okay, I do have three more categories. I want to move through them quickly. Okay. Uh, next one is um, a person uh, uh, who is not here, um, whether you knew them or not, that you can have these sort of conversations with. Um, almost like psychically, it's not even like you pick up a phone. It's just like you sort of reach out and are like, Hey, Oprah. Uh, but the Oprah's still around. So this is like, this would be like three different people from throughout history, someone personal, anything like that, that you can have a kind of meaningful dialogue with, um, in this sort of interesting way. (laughs) Okay. This is a great question. (laughs) And it makes my first, the first person I thought of was someone that I wish I could have meaningful dialogue with only because he's so incredible. And that is Einstein. Sure. (laughs) Because the, the idea of being able to talk to Einstein about something mundane. No, I agree. I'm so delightful. Absolutely. I'm fascinated with the idea of having just like playful personal relationships with people that, that the more time goes by and the more, uh, the more legendary they become, the harder it is to connect with like, and right, because someone that you can still imagine a goofiness to and like imagine yeah. what he loved having as like a treat or something like that. He's been a know? meme for longer. Absolutely. Than, you know, than probably he was alive. Absolutely. So to, but I just, it's so fun to imagine anyone like that. Yeah. Who has so much cultural significance. Yes. To just be like, dude, what'd you get yeah. at the grocery store? Yes. Today? I love and for that. Him to be like, Oh, I waited in line behind uh-huh. the woman who was paying with a check <laughs> and it was a pain. But yeah. So someone like that, this might, this, this is getting, I would love to think that I could have a conversation with one of my birth parents Mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Like just like, because you know, there's, there's things about you that you're like, where does that come from? And um, I can see hereditary wise. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so much like my adoptive parents in a lot of ways, but there's many things that I'm like, is that from, who's that from? Yeah. Is that just me? Maybe it's just me. Or did I get that from someone? Well, yeah, that's a question that, you know, I think many of us could ask that don't because mm. it could be even something that makes us different from our parents, but we don't mm. go that extra sure. step. But if you're an adopted child, I think there is an, that step is intrinsically built in on a way more literal level where yeah. you really are like, listen, I don't know. I can't call my aunt and say, did mm. you always love, you know, square dancing? Right. Like it always came up with medical history. Whenever I would fill out a yeah. form and I'd be like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
like stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, that would, I like to think that I could have some sort Mm -hmm. of cool psychic connection with someone that I came from, but I don't know. And then I would love to, I feel like I'm changing what you asked me. I don't care at all. (laughs) Okay. I think it would be fascinating to talk to Mary Baker Eddy. Okay, great. Um, I grew up in Christian science and I don't practice it now and have not for many, many, many years. God, I and, can't believe we didn't even get there. Oh God. Oh God. I'm glad because we could have spent and anyway, yeah. it's, but I've gone so far away from any sort of organized religion mm-hmm. and happily so, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of questions I have for her. Maybe mm-hmm. in the same way that a lot of people want to talk to any religious figure. Oh my the, God. You know, if I could be a fly on the wall and actually see what this crazy Joseph Smith was like, given that I oh was, exper- you know, exposed oh to that God. as a, right. as a young person, um, Fascinating. just to have all those, like to have that mystery actually solved. Oh, it'd be so satisfying so smug be oh right yeah. i mean that's ultimately i think uh, it's what i would go into it with is a sense yeah. of smugness and, <laughs> which would probably be not great but uh, but yeah. my worst fear is i would walk away going like actually oh. i think he was a prophet he was onto something yeah he was real i just was blind yeah into it no you're right that's a possibility no that's great that's but, a great one yeah. okay um next category is let's go with um three uh, weird pets that you can't ever actually have as a pet that would be fun to have. Oh, I think it would be really cool to own a dolphin, but you know, you can't own a dolphin. But in this world, the that dolphin, be, right. it, it has chosen you. Cause that, cause wouldn't that be like living with something that was so much smarter than you constantly? I mean, I, I hope so. It'd be like looking at a spirit, Yeah, you know, like some sort of mythical creature. Yeah. Like a narwhal, which, how does that exist in nature? I know. That's a thing. I know. Every time I see a photo of it, I'm like, that's not a photo of a creature. That's a drawing of a creature. I feel the same. So I'd also want a narwhal. Yeah, let's get that in there right away. Oh my God. Those things are insane. And then I I think it'd be really cool to have um, a massive bird of prey. (laughs) Because you could just be like, go kill that for any reason. Yeah. Go kill that. I'm hungry. Yeah. Go kill that. I don't I don't like that person. Go go snatch that person's scalp off the great. top of their head and fly away with it. But yeah, great. like a massive vertebrae. Great, great, great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, amazing mm. and dark. Uh, <laughs> and final category is, mm. um, well, I did this one. Uh, I think I've done this one a couple of times. It's a very new one that a listener recommended to me, but I really like it. And it's one of those things that will either you'll either connect with right away or you'll be like, I don't have an answer to that but um three things from childhood like a like just or as a teenager just even it doesn't have to be totally superficial like i had an awesome this i had this one dress that i got from salvation army i don't know what happened to it but i just wish i still had it you know that kind of thing or it can be something more significant like oh i had this toy that my grandmother gave me that it's gone i wish i had it back but three like actual Mm. sort of talisman uh Ah. or you know some sort of thing that you're like god you know i don't mean i don't you know it doesn't, mm. it, it can be, but like I said, it can be totally superficial. Like, God, I really wish, like in a weird way, I wish I still wanted to wear exclamation perfume because it's still out there. I can't stand the smell of it now. But when <laughs> I think about what my relationship to it was when I first smelled it, I'm like, sure. I kind of wish I could feel that way still about it because I really loved it. It's like Debbie Gibson. Yes. Perfume. Yes. I remember that. Oh my God. Okay. The first thing that popped into my head was my aunt would send me clothing occasionally and why for whatever reason, my aunt's fashion overlapped with mine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She would send me Laura Ashley dresses. Amazing. Oh, corduroy ones. Oh, With long go. sleeves that I yeah. think appealed to the, me that loved Anne, Anne of Green, Green Gables, Gables and loved Little House on the Prairie. 100%. Like, 
happily would have existed in either of those worlds and then I got a corduroy yep. Laura Ashley dress covered yeah. with gigantic obscene flowers uh-huh. and I wore it with my Doc Martens. That's great. And I was happy as a clown. That's great. And now that shit's coming back. Yeah. So I would oh, like yeah. that. Yep. I would like one of those great choice. I had like four or five of them. Yeah. Then my yeah, dad. Yeah, don't get greedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what am I? What am I? Some sort of, okay. My dad built me at one point. He took a massive, I think it was just a huge door, mm-hmm. and he made it into a desk. That's great. And I, it was the first time in my school young life that I had this expanse of space That's to great. just be creative all over. That's great. And that was one of the coolest things a parent could do, yeah. I think, would be to give your kid a space where you're supposed to be messy, you're supposed to explore things, and it's just for you. Yes. Love it. That was awesome. Love it. Other thing I really wish I had from those years was my family had this ancient TV record player combo. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Love where it. you could lift the lid up and put on a record yep. and then also watch black and white TV. Great. Man, that thing was awesome. Yeah, that's that's like the thing where you would take that to Antiques Roadshow and they'd be like, because of the popularity of Mad Men, this is worth $200,000. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Antiques Roadshow contender. Like, uh, by the way, I don't know if that? anyone talks like that. I think it's a great show. I just want to acknowledge Actually, that I have no problem with it. I think they kind of do. Uh, Joy, this is, uh, oh, no. this, is, uh, this is a real find. I don't know if you know... <laughs> Baseball but you have your name. you have in your hands. But, uh. <laughs> this is actually not worth anything. Yeah, no, I think you actually uh, channeled that okay, show good. pretty well from what Thank I've seen you. on it. Good okay, job. great. All right, listen, this is, uh, of course, the part where I determine which of these things you're uh, going to end up with in your 100% guaranteed MASH future. So I just need to tell you, uh, t- you, you to tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Okay, I'm going to pause this, do a little bit of calculating. Okay. I come back. I'm going to give you the answers to oh your soon-to-be future. Okay. <sighs> okay. Uh, you just did you know maths. what? I, first, of all, I realized I was commentating because I was sad when some things disappeared, but it's only because all of these I love, so it's going to be <laughs> sad no matter what I crossed out. Okay. Um, but I did... Uh, listen, I couldn't have a higher opinion of the person you ended up with, but a part of me died when I had to cross out both Idris Elba and Clive Owen. <laughs> um, no... Stephen, I love you, and I expect that our future together will be bright, <laughs> bright and full of laughter. I mean, and amazing sex. Because at the end of the day, you do want somebody that. I mean, like, I'm not sure. That's I want to believe that I could, but what I am attracted to about both of those guys is not that I feel like I'm going to be like snorting milk out of my nose because I'm oh, laughing not, so hard. It's not the funnies. Yeah. No, yeah. no. So I want you to enjoy your house with Stephen in Narnia. <laughs> um. We're going to fit right there. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. You know what you don't need in Narnia for uh, whatever reason is clothes. Oh my God, we could be naked in Narnia? You created your Garden of Eden in Narnia. You go through that wardrobe and you leave it all there. You know what I mean? Okay. Take it off. Leave it in the wardrobe. Oh That's God. what a wardrobe's for. You know, this is great. Okay. And okay. you also, there's something, listen, this is what I like about this. Uh, all of those things are so like they're that feeling that you just described being so liberating and so freeing. Mm. And it doesn't surprise me that keeping in uh, line with that, you're not going to have a Miata or a scout in Narnia. You're going to float into the air and just Jesus. all of it feels so like shedding of the skin, right? Yeah. So that's how you, uh, that's how you get around. Okay. Um, Makes I imagine sense. that's to be a very athletic undertaking. So well, I that's want the you to thing. Know. You're burning calories. Well, you need a lot of peanut butter and cheese. Yeah. 
to fuel your floating flying protein and salty and Mm. nutty and delicious Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i want you to well you know what and by the way if you do need to take a break um or sometimes even if you just want to travel right next to it you've got your uh, bird of prey companion (laughs) so you can either ride your bird of prey or you can like fly in the air alongside I want to do that thing where you see some dogs attached to skateboarders. There you go. I will be the skateboarder attached to my bird of prey. There you go. It's perfect. It's like a really weird windsurfing. Really Um, lovely relationship. uh, Very, very very deep, interesting, special relationship. Um, That just leaves us with uh, the (laughs) fabulous TV and record player that you no doubt have to keep you entertained (laughs) when you're not doing all those other things. That'll be in my tree home. It'll be in your tree home. Yes. And... um, I'm also very appreciative that I'm friends with you because I can finally get to the bottom of what Christian science is all about <laughs> because you have a inside line <laughs> to somehow good old Mary. Stephen Colbert, a bird of prey and Mary Baker Eddy all around the same little stump in Narnia. That's right. <laughs> that, that actually makes perfect uh, sense. Uh, would you like another slice of Asiago, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> oh Amazing. Amazing. Um, oh, that's amazing. Ugh. I love it. Joy, what ah. uh, a complete delight it has been to podcast you. Um, uh, I would love to encourage people, if you would like, to uh, tell them to follow you on Twitter, uh, oh. etc. if that even is important to you. Sometimes it's not to a guest. Who cares? You can find me so easily on that platform. It's just my name, my full yep. name. Yep. And I'm so not good at being like savvy with that stuff. Yes, find me there. there you I go. will say hello to you. There you go, guys. Yeah. And I'm not on Facebook. I left a while ago. Mm-hmm. Can't I'm blame you. Really glad. I really am not. I'm only on it for the podcast because sure. it's a good way for people to post stuff. Yes. But on a but I, the problem is that I have a personal account that is linked, of course, to the podcast page, and people contact me there. Yeah. And then I have to explain to them like I know it looked like I was on Facebook, but I was on for JV Club. The message that you wrote me six right. months ago, I've just now read. Yeah. I wish there was a way to yeah. only do it for business. Yeah. I'm like, there probably. You know, is but now i'm sort of again it's like i don't even want to be there on there long enough to figure that out but no good good for you good for you just do little drive-bys do some drive-bys that's what i do i'm not a fan of that that's what i do um you're wonderful i loved being a part of this and was really really truly flattered and honored when you asked me it's a no-brainer no yeah cool um and guys i hope you're having a, a pleasant fall i don't know if it's fall yet it's late summer, fall. It's early fall. It feels like late summer, but technically it's fall. Okay. And I cling to that. Let's cling to everybody. Get out your sweaters from your yeah. hope chests. Think fall thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Please Agreed. get us out of the heat. Agreed. Um, no. All right, guys. We'll all talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.